Our second reading comes from Galatians chapter 5. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you as I warned you before. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have belong to Christ Jesus. Okay. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. The word of the Lord. This coming Thursday, our nation will celebrate with uh, great exuberance and fire and loud bangs, sending dogs and tiny children into catatonicness, the anniversary of the Continental Congresses adopting the Declaration of Independence in 1776. This declaration, of course, uh, is the document which stated that the 13 colonies of Great Britain which were in America <clears throat> were saying that they were no longer part of the British Empire and under the ownership and control of this British king, but now they're their own nation, they're their own country. And in stating this, they were saying that they were independent. Uh, they were saying that they were claiming their freedom now, the majority of the Declaration of Independence is a list of 28 um, grievances or facts against the King of England and uh, how he had been treating these colonies, 28 of them. These 28 facts proved that the colonies had every right to break away, that after reading all 28 of these facts, it would be no surprise to anyone uh, that they had a legitimate right to break away from the British Empire. Number 25 of the 28 describes, um, describes it well. It says, uh, the king has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. So duh, who, you know, who wouldn't uh, revolt? So this, uh, this Thursday we celebrate our freedom. This is important. 
But just about all the time, I think we get stuck in thinking about only what we are free from, right? You know, this king who destroys our lives, burns our towns, uh, ravages our ships. We're free from this king of the 1700s. I suspect, though, that freedom is more than this. In the 1980s, Montana instituted the seatbelt law. Do you guys remember that? I was in high school at the time, so I was kind of in this intense moment of life when driving was a big deal. And all my friends cried out, you know, all my friends cried out with their declaration, you can't make us wear seatbelts. We're free, right? We belong to a free country. Still too often, we are stuck thinking about freedom in a juvenile way. And there's no high school kids here today, so I will say, too often we get stuck thinking about freedom. Well, except maybe Annabelle. Sorry, Annabelle. <laughs> You're not there yet. Too often we get, we get stuck thinking about freedom only as high school kids. If freedom is about free, being free from tyranny, then it's just as much about being free for some purpose. What are we free for? What larger good has come from and can still come from the freedom of this country and its people? So this summer, at least the first half of the summer, we're we're focusing on the second reading each week, which is from Galatians, sort of doing a mini preaching series through Paul's letter to the Galatians. And uh, Galatians really is a declaration of Christian freedom. You know, it's kind of like the church's equivalent to the fourth declaration of independence. And in this week's verses, we really do reach the mountaintop of the Apostle Paul's uh, argument about Christian freedom. He's writing to a few Christian churches in the area known as Galatia in modern day Turkey uh, who have begun to adopt some beliefs that Paul feels are really uh, bad, that they're really contrary against the Christian gospel. You see, these teachers have moved into these churches after Paul left and went on his way throughout the Mediterranean. New teachers had moved in and begun to teach the people that, that God's love and God's salvation and God's forgiveness is conditional, that it's uh, conditional on the fact that you also need to keep certain laws to earn God's salvation in addition to having Christ on your side. So they're saying it's not just D- Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection that accomplishes your salvation, but it's also practices, specific practices Um, You know, such as circumcision or eating certain foods or eating only with the right kind of people. And so Paul writes this letter to say to them, no way. Christ has freed you from all that. You all have tried in the past to achieve God through your works and through your good behavior. And did that get you anything other than making you more annoying? Did that get you anything? Maybe you got a little bit nice, but you also got annoying in the process. And so if that's how it works, then Christ died for nothing. If that's how it works, if it's morality and, and, Jesus death, and Jesus' death on the cross, then Jesus died for nothing. It has to be all about Christ. So in today's pinnacle of Galatians, Paul says, For freedom Christ has set us free. 
He says, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So truly you are free. You all are free from the tyranny that you experience under the law. That law which constantly reminds you of your imperfection, of your uncompleteness, of your brokenness, of your sinfulness, your weakness, your unholiness, even your death, right? Jesus Christ, killed literally by legalism, was raised victorious over the law for you. So Paul knows what humans are going to do when they discover their freedom. I mean, he spent the first four uh, chapters writing about how you're free from the law. And he knows, I mean, he really knows what humans are going to do when we hear this message of freedom, right? He knows that we will go and wreck ourselves when we hear that. He knows uh, that given the chance, uh, we will just kind of drown ourselves in our own uh, uh, sort of stupidity and weakness. And, uh, and that also was not the purpose of Jesus' sacrificial life, to leave a church that's filled with people that have wrecked themselves in uh, crazy living because of their freedom. So verse 13 becomes this giant qualifier of his whole argument. All right, if you look, look, at, look at the Galatians reading in your bulletins. And look at chapter or verse 13. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. As free people now become slaves. To one another. Isn't that an interesting choice of, of words? As free people now become slaves to one another through love. Paul's argument goes from what are we freed from, the law, to for what purpose are we set free? Or rather, now that we're free from using the law as some sort of stairway to heaven, now that that's over with, what is God going to do with our freedom? What are you going to do with your freedom? And the answer Paul gives opens our eyes to the real purpose, the actual purpose of the law. Uh, in verse 14, now look at verse 14. It says, for the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul here is quoting from Leviticus chapter 19, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The law's purpose is to paint a picture for us to paint a picture of what living as a follower of Christ looks like. That's the purpose of the law. To paint a picture of what freedom looks like. And that simply is a picture of love. Okay, so now the problem is uh, that even though I am a Christian, <clears throat> I've been baptized into Christ, I claim Christ's death and resurrection as my 4th of July I am fully aware that I am not any good at love. That's the problem, right? Consider myself a Christian, but kind of the more I come to know that I'm a Christian, the more I realize I'm not any good at love. It feels like it's sort of, like love is sort of counterintuitive or, or almost unnatural. You know, stick my neck out for somebody else. What kind of thinking is that? 
<laughs> be generous, hospitable, share. What do you, you know? Don't we learn when we're two years old that that stuff just doesn't work? Share, you know, who cares about sharing? That's not how the, the world works. So I need help. I need help. And so Paul does three things in, in the following verses here, which are absolutely uh, amazingly helpful, I think. First, in verse 16, check that out. Look at in your bulletin again. It says, live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Live by the Spirit. Do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Actually, a more accurate translation would be live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, right? So when you're living by the Spirit, the flesh won't be gratified. See, Paul sets up this interesting split between the Spirit and the flesh, I think, which is really helpful. It gets kind of confusing at times, but, but if you get into it enough, it can be helpful. Right? The Spirit is the Holy Spirit, right? What we talk about all, in, all, all the time in church. It's God's Spirit given to us and living inside of us. The Holy Spirit living inside of us. Think of the power of that. God's Spirit, uh, which, which creates all things, right? A core Christian belief is that, is that God's Spirit is used by God to create all things. The whole universe. God created everything uh, by the power of his spirit. And that spirit is living in each one of you. And the flesh is a brilliantly descriptive term for that unsatisfiable aspect of each of ourselves, right? The flesh, that unsatisfiable aspect, that black hole in ourselves that wants and wants and wants and will not stop until we absolutely wreck ourselves. That sense of wanting satisfaction, but not knowing what true satisfaction is. That's the flesh. You know, is it, is it cocaine or is, or is it a strenuous hike in Glacier Park? You know, the flesh, the flesh doesn't know which way to go, right? So Paul says, live by the Spirit, and the desires of the flesh will not be gratified. And hopefully over time, they will sort of mellow out and just kind of die away, right? Live by that power in you that is God's Spirit, which will lead you in a life of love. That Spirit will teach you to love. It will be kind of your, your teacher teaching you to love. You are not alone you're not helpless in this. The Spirit is in you, helping you. But then, then you know, then when you say that, then we get into thinking about the Holy Spirit, and we begin to fret that we don't actually have the Spirit, right? You know, I can't see it. I can't touch it. I can't really hear it. It's like this non-experiential thing sometimes. I can't really feel it. It's kind of mysterious, this Holy Spirit thing, thing is. And those people over there and those churches that do things in those ways and get all emotional and stuff, well, they obviously have the Spirit. But me, I mean, I just, I'm not that way. So do I have the Spirit or don't me? It feels like God has just kind of passed over me with this universe-creating Spirit thing for me that Paul is talking about. So then, secondly, what Paul does is he declares that it is a fact 
it is a fact that the Galatians and that each one of you do have the Spirit. It's a fact. Paul tells you, just as sure as there's hair on your head, maybe, or uh, nails on your fingers, probably, or skin on your back, there is God's Spirit in you. Verse 18 says, If you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. And the way it's translated, it sounds like there's a pretty good chance that, you know, maybe sometimes you won't have the Spirit. Uh, but this type of clause in the original language is called a condition of fact, okay? So, I mean, sometimes it's helpful to maybe read other tra translations and stuff. We have a condition of fact here. So, so that verse should really be understood. If you, if you are led by the Spirit, and then in parentheses, and you are, you know, condition of fact, factually, you are led by the Spirit, you do have the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. And same with verse 25, same deal. Look at verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, and then in parentheses, and you do, it's a fact, let us also be guided by that Spirit. Right? So the point is, each of you has the Holy Spirit. It is in you. God did not skip you when God was giving out his self. You have it. So then third, then, the third thing that Paul does to help us is he gives us examples of what's going on here. He gives us examples. First, a list of examples of what love is not. You know, as we use our freedom for something, for the sake of love, he gives us examples of what love is not. You know, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, and so on. You can, you can read through the whole list um, when you need to get your life spiced up some other time. Um, but none of these things have anything to do with love. None of these things have anything to do with love. And they are the essence of the insatiable flesh. These things do not build up, but they tear down. Every single one of them, they tear down. They lead to wars. They destroy lives. They're of absolutely no value. This whole list of the activities of the flesh, they're of no value, yet they appear incredibly fun sometimes and sometimes kind of beautiful, and they're marketed as the thing to get, right? So it's confusing. It's difficult. But this is love. But this is love, the fruit that's produced by the Holy Spirit. It's naturally and tasty, and, and it's the natural produce of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You should never be scared of these things. There is no law against these things. These things aren't really in the realm of law. There's no law against them. Welcome them. Embrace them. They give life. They are a taste of what God originally intended with this whole creation business. And at the core of each one of them is a strong sense of love. This is what Christ freed us for, right? To experience life richly through loving our neighbor empowered in that love by God's Spirit. Now, if the flesh starts, you know, this week, if you start thinking about this whole spirit-flesh thing, and if, and, and if the flesh starts really yapping at you this week, that God's Spirit is just a pipe dream, right? 
wishful thinking, then what I want you to do is to just to kind of sit down and uh, to quiet yourself and go through a few of the examples um, from this fleshy, spirity list that Paul gives us here. You know, the, the works of the flesh and the produce of the spirit. Go through, of the, go through a few of the examples. And then what I want you to do is recall what you experience as giving you life and making you happy. All right? What gives you life and what makes you happy? In a deep sense, right? Is it anger? Is it jealousy? Is it envy? Any of that list of the works of the flesh. Do, the, do those things really make you tick? <laughs> or do you experience true satisfaction and happiness when there is joy or peace or patience or any of that? list right think about that and then tell the flesh tell the flesh thanks but no thanks <laughs> you are death I've got the spirit in me and I've got a life to live amen <laughs>